This is Subject Matter, the show for creators who want to grow with audio. I'm Ben Bradbury. Guys, what if I told you that your content only needed to be B+. A B+. It's probably not what you're thinking you need to aim for as a creator. Well, that's what today's guest believes, and he's built up a LinkedIn page of nearly 400,000 people. His personal page is closing in on 100,000. And what he says is that even though your content may only need to be above average, what really matters is your consistency. You need A-plus consistency. And Daniel Murray has been showing up on LinkedIn for, I don't know if it's five days a week or every day, but let me tell you, this guy is consistent. And what's cool about Daniel is his whole mission as a creator is to lift up other marketers. He's really there to pump up other voices in the space. And today we get into how he is building his brand, Marketing Millennials. Now, what he says as well is a lot of podcasters just think of their podcast as a standalone asset, but he believes you need to think of your podcast as a media company, as a much bigger play that fits into a funnel and converts your listeners down to a product or service. And we're going to get into exactly how Daniel's doing this with his brand, The Marketing Millennials. And we're going to talk about how you can get ideas from your podcast. He says, comments are content. And Daniel has this really interesting way of thinking about generating content. If you like what you've heard, I definitely recommend listening to his show, The Marketing Millennials, because his show is a complete case study in user-first content. So he reads comments, figures out what topics people are interested in, and then gets guests afterwards. So It's a really interesting way of thinking about media and building out a podcast. Daniel's a special guy. He he really is just wanting the best for other marketers in the space. And it was a real privilege to have him on the show. So if you like this episode, definitely tell me what you think. You can reach me on Twitter. You can reach me via email um, at benbradbury underscore on Twitter or ben at workweek.com via email. Would love to hear from you. My DMs are always open. And without further ado... Please enjoy this episode. Daniel, welcome to Subject Matter. It's great to have you on the show. Super excited for this. Um, Excited to get chatting. Hell yeah. Let's start at the start. You have built Marketing Millennials into a pretty serious podcast and LinkedIn page, I think, is closing in on 400,000 followers. But before you got there, you had to come up with an idea for this podcast. So what were the first steps you took to get started as a creator and that got you into the audio space? Yeah. So I started as a written form creator and that's what I was most comfortable with. But I realized it was hard to create ideas on the fly. So I figured the next best way to create ideas is have conversations with people so I can get ideas from them and learn from them. So I was like, okay, when I had about 15,000 LinkedIn followers, I was like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. And the first idea was I was going to start a, a SaaS marketing podcast. And I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about all about SaaS. But then I was like to myself, you know what? SaaS is not the only marketing I like. Let me think about a more broader sense. So I, I went with the marketing millennials because it just sounded cool. Um, <laughs> later down the line, I realized it was a good idea and how important naming was for a podcast. But I kind of got lucky that I was just like, thinking of MM names and trying to make something that sounded cool. And it became the marketing millennials out of that. And then the LinkedIn page came after, but 
it all started just because I, I needed a place to create more content. Then I learned podcasting was much more than that. For sure. And something also that struck me that the last time we spoke is you mentioned that while podcasting or speaking might not come as naturally to you as written content, you still did it because you said you wanted to put the mission first. What was that mission for you early on that kind of gave you such a North Star to be able to shoot for? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about sharing ideas from other marketers and uplifting other marketers. So my mission was, let me get the best minds to talk about marketing and help marketers grow in their career. That's how the marketing millennials really started taking off because I was just like, I want these amazing marketers to share their voices and then have people like me coming out of university learn from these people or me younger in my career to learn from these expert marketers who are actually executing in the marketing world right now. So the mission of the podcast is really to have these experts share actionable insights with their with the audience and that's how my LinkedIn page mission is in the whole marketing millennials is share actionable quick tips for marketers. So it seems like you're really focused on marketing as this as the sector or the audience that you're focused on and something that we have, we think about a lot at Workweek where we both work is how you want to build from an audience first perspective. How did you decide that marketing was the right audience for you to serve? One because I think any audience you serve you you should be the expert in that field i wouldn't say like have expertise not be the expert expert is a bad term but have expertise in the the, the field i knew that i knew marketers i've been around marketing for a while i'm marketing ops so i've talked to a lot of marketers so marketing was the field that i went with and also i got a good feedback loop from being a creator on linkedin because comments are content to me and all the comments racked up and I was just like, okay, that's how I got a lot of ideas for my podcast was reading comments and people asking the same questions over and over. So that's how I learned, okay, these should be good topics for my podcast because someone's asking that question, that should be a podcast topic. That person's asking a question that should be a podcast topic. So I think the two things is expertise and that's why i get i'm big on guests having expertise and then also like relevance of topics where i'm looking at people commenting it and things and that's relevance of topics so that's how i try to serve the audience with those two elements relevance and expertise what's easy as well to forget as a podcaster is how when you see a download, you treat it as a number, but that download is a person who has gone to his or her phone, selected your show and click play on it. That's a real person with real thoughts and feelings. And so what I like about what you shared here is you're starting with the user in mind. And this is exactly what Gary Vaynerchuk did. I spoke to a friend of mine who worked very closely with him and asked him about his working patterns. And he said, Gary doesn't consume content. He reads comments. He understands what people are saying, what their behaviors are. And if you do that, you're going straight to the source of the conversation. So I think that's important for creators to remember is you don't just need to watch videos or listen to other podcasts, but 
tap into conversations that people are already having because that can be a source of content for you as well. Exactly. I 100% agree with that. And I think comments are where the actual truth comes out of what people are wanting to say. When you're using someone else's podcast or following someone else, you're just becoming a copycat podcast, which I think that is a problem with a lot of people. And that's what you see with blog posts and everything is just copying something before. I think if you've follow the customer or the user or the listener, you, you get what, if you actually listen and ask their feedback, you can get the topics that they actually want to listen to and they actually want to consume and they actually want to, and it becomes easier to, for you to create content yourself. So something to underscore there that you said, it seems like you really approach your podcast and your marketing from a user first perspective. So you use them to validate the ideas, you use them to understand what they're talking about. I see you in the comments on LinkedIn, always asking questions, sending out polls, trying to understand what people are thinking, how they're engaging. And then that becomes the podcast. I think that's quite a counterintuitive way of thinking about things, wouldn't you say, compared to most podcasts? Yeah, I think most podcasts are, a lot of people when they start podcasts, they just think about, oh, I want to get these big guests and talk to these big guests. And that's a lot of people that I think about. I think about it more from the topic perspective and who, which guests can match the topic that a user's talked about before that, that they need to talk about. So let's say lately I've been talk, having a lot of TikTok episodes because so many people are asking that on LinkedIn and Twitter, like, how do I do TikTok ads? What's new in TikTok? So I'm bringing in more people about TikTok. A year ago, it could have been about Clubhouse bringing someone in or NFT. So I try to listen to what people are saying and have that topic relevant. So if a marketer is coming into the industry, can learn on the fly because you're not, they're not going to learn that in college because it doesn't move that fast. And they're not going to learn that on the job because it doesn't move that fast. So the only way they're going to learn it from is an expert in the field who's actually executing on it right now. Totally. That's smart because then what you can do as a podcaster is say, okay, these are the ideas that my audience want to learn about. And then you can ask, who do I know or who do I want to know that can speak to this? And then there's a really well-crafted pitch that's already come in. You can reach out to them and say, hey, my audience wants this. You can send them the comments and say, hey, this is what they're talking about. Do you want to come on and talk about this? So I think it's a cool evolution on what usually how people think. And something else that I think in your, how you think about media is more of an evolution than, than your average podcaster. You have said to me before that you don't want to think about your podcast just as a podcast, as a standalone podcast. You want to think about it as if it's going to become a media company. Can you explore that idea? What does that idea of having your podcast become a media company mean to you? Yes, and this came from later, so this didn't just come to me, but I realized once I started building the LinkedIn page that the Marketing Millennials was actually becoming a a brand itself. And the the podcast was just one asset of the brand. And if you're really truly trying to serve an audience, not everybody's going to be listening to podcasts. Not everybody's going to try to consume on LinkedIn. Not everybody's going to be on Twitter. So you have to be on different mediums to do that. And if you're thinking of just media, audio is one aspect of it, then 
you're just missing out on a bunch of audience. But also, podcasting is arguably the hardest place to get organic reach or people to find you or discoverability. So the other place to do it is create top of funnel media to do that. And I think that is through either LinkedIn or TikTok or YouTube, whatever good channel you are. But I always think about media as, okay, you need a top of channel producing content, which is a one that has organic reach. So right now that either LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, YouTube kind of not. But then the secondary thing is a podcast or newsletter, which is the other side of things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of thinking about the podcast as part of a larger flywheel. So making sure that the newsletter or the podcast to me, it seems like that's where you have the more in-depth content, whether that's in-depth conversations or in-depth deep dives or opinion in the newsletter. And then you would chop up parts of that conversation for your top of funnel. That's how you get the organic reach and discoverability. Is that kind of how you're thinking about it? Yeah, exactly. I think the podcast is just a one asset to consume content. It's an, an educational channel. It's a channel to grow. But I think you need something to help people find it. And that's a top of funnel channel, like the social channels I named off or newsletter if it eventually becomes big. There's different, but I think it's one aspect of a whole media play. That's why the name is so important of the podcast and the name should be congruent throughout the whole media asset. It can't just be like, this is this asset. This asset. It sometimes works like Barstool has a bunch of stuff, but that Barstool created Barstool first and then came different names. So you have to have one thing brand that covers the asset up top. I think it'd be pretty useful to understand for marketing millennials what the role of the brand is and how you see that evolving. Because right now you have a great LinkedIn page. If anyone is a meme connoisseur, you absolutely have to follow this page. You've got a Twitter following, you have an Instagram now, uh, you have your podcast as well. Talk to us about how the media company marketing millennials evolves. What are your plans for the brand in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. So I see it as a full media company that helps educate marketers and create community for marketers. So right now I've built, tried to build the top of funnel and middle of funnel. So right now top of funnel is the LinkedIn page, Twitter, eventually want to get into TikTok and Instagram and YouTube once I have more time. Middle funnel is more of the podcast newsletter type things to get more in-depth content so you you bring in the audience even more to those and then you those are normal channels where you're more engaged users will come down and then the last bit is the creating educational courses or i don't i don't really like the word courses but educational paths for people to go down community for people to be in and events so people could connect and network. So I think about it as how could you go from top of funnel to middle of funnel and then obviously monetize the monetize through stuff that's actually valuable. So it's not really full mon monetization. It's not monetization only for the creator. It's giving complete, it's giving more value to the end user than the user is paying for at the end of the day. And why do you think it's important to tip the balance of value 
to over deliver that value versus what they are just paying for. Because there's a lot of companies where they'll see it as very transactional. So we're only going to deliver up to $500 of value. You better pay us more than that, for example. But it sounds like you come at things from more of an abundance mindset. So why is that philosophy important to you? Because I think the whole, it stakes to the mission of the whole goal of that I'm here to help and find the best content for marketers to grow in their career. And I also think that creates long-term value of the user. If you're only going to deliver 500 and $500 of value, it better be $500 of value they go. I've always realized in marketing, it's better to under-promise and over-deliver than over-deliver and under-promise. And that keeps the, every time you over-deliver, you have a user or a customer or a community member that will be there forever. So I try to create as much value as possible up front for every little part. And I also believe that that's why you have these top of funnel channels where you continually give, 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 give. And then you have something that can, obviously you're taking a lot of time as a creator. So I think that it's okay for you as a creator to start monetizing and getting something back for all the time you're taking to create. But I think you have to build that trust and community and brand before you can do that. Totally. And what especially plays into a podcaster's advantage here is that podcasts feel very intimate. They feel very friendly. The The average person listens to about seven or eight podcasts a week. And those seven or eight people feel like friends. You feel like you really know them if you show up for their show every single week. And so when you think about launching products and services as a podcaster, you don't want to just launch one thing and then you're done. You want to see this as something that you can evolve with. So to your point with the marketing millennials, having these paths that people can take to advance them in their careers, but then maybe in three or four years, they come back for the next path or they come back for the next event or the next summit. And there's this consistent growth with your brand. And then obviously for you, the lifetime value of the customer is higher. And for them, they're getting exponentially more value over time. So there's a great synergy there between the two. Exactly. I mean, that's how I think about it. I think it's a long-term play and I think you can easily monetize quickly, but if you're playing the long game and your end goal is to help as many marketers and create this community, you have to give more than you take from your audience. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people can make money very quickly, and the, but the problem is that doesn't create a long-term brand. It's very short-term. Totally. Switching gears now, you have talked about before the importance of building up other marketers as such an important piece of your mission. And that really comes through at every turn with your LinkedIn page. So you've got this page, the Marketing Millennials. You also have your own personal page. You're closing in on 100,000 followers there. LinkedIn, I know, was an important piece of the podcast puzzle for you initially to help you connect with people and secure guests. Can you talk us through how you used LinkedIn in the early days to help get your podcast guest booking started? Yeah, it was kind of a scrappy way to do this. I... I was a smaller creator at the time. And when you were a smaller creator, asking someone to get in your podcast is hard, especially bigger names or people who have no idea about you. So how I was thinking about the marketing millennials at first is if I post tweets or share these people's content on my page, 
they will see my content because I know that they will get views on this content. They'll get a bunch of likes. They'll get followers on their page and they'll notice it came from the marketing millennials. And then over time, if you keep doing that a couple more times, they'll start coming back to you and being like, oh, thank you for doing this. And then that's your time to ask for them to be a podcast guest. So most of my guests have come off of, at least at the beginning, came off of me posting the content. They're saying like, oh, I saw you doing this. Thank you so much. What could I do for you? And then they became guests. So I think I was just thinking of the part of like, how could I help them out? And then then ask instead of going for the kill first. It was more like, let me see if I, what I could do for them. And the only thing I could think I could do for them is get them reach and followers on LinkedIn, which they weren't visible. And the other thing is they were big on Twitter and not big on LinkedIn. So I was helping them grow their LinkedIn at the same time. Mm. What I like about that is you looked at your unique advantages as a creator, and there's no one platform that dominates for podcasts. People can grow on LinkedIn, but they can also grow on Instagram. You can grow on, I've seen someone grow on Pinterest. There's a bunch of different ways that you can promote, but the important thing is figuring out what works for you. And that's exactly what you've done here is say, okay, well, these people are big on Twitter, but they don't have any following on LinkedIn. So you can then close that gap between them. Exactly. I think the key is when you're starting out as a creator, especially if you have a full-time job and just your side gig is find one channel that you could dominate on and find one channel that you could dominate on that is your form of channel. So some people are better at video. Some people are better at written form. And I think I was better at written form and imagery. So I chose LinkedIn at first. Once I fully got LinkedIn, then I went to podcasting. Once I fully understood podcasting, then I went to Twitter. Once I fully understand Twitter, then I started writing newsletters. But I had to understand channels first. And I think you have to, if you can't give 100% to a channel, it's just going to come off terribly. So that's my theory is you have to build up an audience and go 100% of the channel because that's the problem with these lot of creators is they spread themselves too thin and they, or they don't understand that every different social channel is a different language. I think like, for example, LinkedIn will speak French and <laughs> this is just an analogy. LinkedIn speaks French and Twitter speaks Spanish and this, and you have to speak the language of the platform. And if you, you're going to go post Spanish on, on a French LinkedIn or French on TikTok, which could be English, for example, as a language, you're going to come off. Every channel has a specific format and every channel has a specific way that they like content. And if you're not doing that, it's going to come off as inauthentic fake to the platform. So you have to think of every channel as a separate entity, a separate way of living, a separate community, a separate like I say, language where you have to learn the language before you can start posting on that. You can't just copy paste. And then people are just going to be like, what are you doing? This is supposed to be on TikTok, for example. Yeah, it's a great point of making your content platform dependent. So not just kind of repurposing across, if you're trying to promote something on Twitter, making it very short form, or if you're going to LinkedIn, you can maybe make it a bit longer form because there's a 3000 character limit. But then also, if you're someone who prefers shorter form content on LinkedIn, then like you do, Daniel, then maybe you opt for you opt for those short form punchy posts. But you're totally right as well. I, a pattern that I see with creators is 
I'll talk to them and I say, how's your podcast going? And say, yeah, it's good. But, uh, you know, I'm doing the blog and I'm also putting everything on YouTube. I'm tweeting every day. I'm on Instagram as well. I said, how many people do you have helping you? And they say, well, just me. And I said, are you really surprised that you aren't getting that much traction on these platforms? Because you're trying to be in half a dozen places at once. So it's, I'm sure, reassuring for people to realize that you can have one channel and if you go all in on that, you can have tremendous success like you have. Yeah. And I also think it is the long-term versus short-term mentality. I think you have to think of this as a long-term game. And if you do think of it as a long-term game, it's easy to just commit yourself to one platform. I think a lot of people want those short-term results, but if I didn't build my LinkedIn and waited until I got to other platforms, my other channels wouldn't be good. And the, also the thing about channels is if when a true audience will follow you from platform to platform, a true audience will follow you on different platforms. Followership will just follow you on one platform, but a true audience moves from platform to platform. So that's why you, if they know you're great on LinkedIn, and you're starting to post on Twitter, some of those will carry on to those. And then if they know you're growing on Twitter, and now you're doing a podcast, they'll come listen to you there. But I think you have to be great at that channel to be able to put people... I always say my statement is that you have to have B-plus content, so you have to be above average on content. You don't have to have A-plus, you just have to be above average. And the key is A-plus consistency. You have to just show up, be top of mind. And A-plus consistency means like... 85 plus. Um, I know that's not an A in some people, but 85 plus meaning like you're consistent, you're showing up at least five days a week creating content on that platform. I mean, the best creators are showing up every single day. So if you want to be that way, but the way I think about it is you have to be top of mind all this time and nobody's going to remember one piece of content. It's a journey. It's a journey. Every post is building on a story. So I think if you ask them what your podcast 33 is they won't know but they'll say they love your podcast or they remember something they don't remember what podcast 33 was um mm-hmm. so or linkedin post 223 like they won't remember that <laughs> but they remember that you post good stuff on linkedin yeah they remember the the way that you make them feel the way that you make them laugh or you make them think and over time that's a promise that you're creating with these creators How do you, so I think consistency is something a lot of people struggle with, myself included. How do you think about being consistent? Are there any, when you're showing up every single day, you could think about this from a mindset perspective, like if there's self-talk that you use, or this could be like a, a habit question. So if there's any routines or systems that you use that make it easier for you to show up every day on LinkedIn, which is your primary channel. Yeah, luckily I have the athlete mentality. So every post is like going to practice every day, showing up for practice. You have to show up for practice to get better and better at your craft. That's how you do it. And it's just like going to the gym. Like you're not going to get stronger if you show up once a month. You're not going to get run, run, be able to run a 5K if you run it once a month. Uh, you have to show up and put in the practice. And luckily in social media, which is great, and even in podcasting too, is if one of your pieces of content sucks, there'll be a very little people who see it. Um, and if one of your content 
does well, there'll be a lot of people who sees it. So like every is poses a practice. Some practices are good, some practices are bad, but if you show up every day and your average is very good at practicing, you're going to be great in the game. And that's how I think about it, is showing up. And to answer your question, I just created a way of just saying at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock every single morning, I am dedicating to posting. And that's what I'm going to be doing for that. And then I'm going to do one podcast a week, and I'm going to figure out when I'm going to do that. And then I also, I think the part that people get screwed on is the consuming part. I think... You have to consume great content to produce great content. And it becomes so much easier once you're consuming because you can have this idea bank in your phone and your notes that if you don't can't think of a post that day, you can go to your notes and be like, oh, I have this good idea. So I think you have to consume to create good content. And I think that happens in everything. You have to be able to put in good fuel in your body to be able to do better and working out. You have to do the same the, everything applies to creating content. You have to put in a good information diet to create good content. Totally. You need strong references or, or it's going to crumble. Well, I think that gives us two pieces to how you've built your audience. Number one is consistency, showing up every day, showing up five days a week. And then number two is having a healthy information diet where you're consuming other great content that lets you create great content yourself. Are there any other pieces to to LinkedIn that you credit or that you credit with the growth that you've had on the platform? Because I know that you initially aimed for 10,000 followers by the end of the year. You managed to 10x that goal and get to 100K. That's a big difference. So what do you think you did that let you get to this exponentially bigger growth? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. And I think there's something that I think about a lot about how TikTok created these like hype houses and sway houses and all these houses of content creators going. And I think what happened at the beginning was I was able, Daniel Murray was the hype house of marketing millennials at first. So Daniel Murray lifted up marketing millennials to a point where it got to a self-sustaining audience after a little bit. And then now marketing millennials is the hype house for other marketers, how I think about it. But I think a lot of people don't think about like, if you get better and better marketers in your audience or like people with bigger, bigger followings and they're starting to come back every day to like your stuff and you're liking their stuff, that's where the you showing up. I think a lot of people mistake that they come show up, they do their post and then they leave the platform. I think there's also a part that you have to be part of the community and be in other people's conversations because you can't be the one only putting out those content. So I think at the beginning, I was commenting on a bunch of people's stuff. So they saw me showing up for them. So they showed up for me and it became this lifting each other up to the point that after a point, your content becomes self-sustaining and the network effect cuts in. But at the beginning, I think it's important to find, be in the community, talk to a bunch, comment on bigger marketers stuff, comment on marketers your size, so they come back on your content and lift it up and have that network effect for you. Love it. And that's the power of giving first. If you give before you take, that's the long game. And uh, yeah, people people will remember that. Let's round things off with our lightning round. So I've got four questions for you. Here's the deal. You have got to hear the question and then say the first thing that comes to your head. Sound good? Yep, sounds good. All right. First question. What's one piece of software or hardware that you can't live without? 
Canva. Ooh. What's your favorite podcast that you're listening to right now? All in podcasts. What's the most fun that you have when you work? When I'm working with people that I like working with. Love that. And finally, if you're going to give one piece of advice to a creator that's starting out today, what piece of advice do you give them? Be consistent and patient. I think those are the two things that separate creators. Cool. And I want to go back to the first answer you shared there on Canva. For those who don't know, this is a design tool. What are you mainly using Canva for? Great question. Meme creation, editing photos fast, um, getting... I'm not a graphic designer by trade, so it, it helps me edit things quickly, put things out there and put it on social. So that's one tool that just comes to mind. There's also, there's obviously thousands of other tools, but for me, like for my LinkedIn page, or I help some other people out with their LinkedIn page, it's just easy to create memes and content through that, that look good. And they're easy without going through the headache of going on Photoshop or stuff like that. And are you mainly using that on desktop, on mobile, or both? Where's your preferred usage? Uh, I use it on both, depending on like how quickly I want to get a post. If I'm on in the wild, like with my phone, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll go, I'll pull up Canva on my phone. But they really, it's really easy to use on both. So that's why I like it too. They have a pretty good mobile experience, and they have a good desktop experience. It's just if I want to spin up an image fast and put it in, or if I want to create a meme fast. Or I saw something interesting. And also I love how easy saves so you can go back and look at things and ideas that you've had in the past and pick up off of those. So Canva was like the first thing that came to mind that made, has made like the creating life easier, especially for someone who posts a lot of images. Great. You heard it here first, guys. Get on Canva if you're posting images. Well, Daniel, thanks so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. If people want to keep up with you, they want to follow your ideas, join the marketing fam, where are the best places for them to go? Yeah, so it's either Daniel Murray on LinkedIn or the Marketing Millennials on LinkedIn. You also could follow, subscribe to my podcast, The Marketing Millennials, or my newsletter, which is now on Workweek and my podcast. Lovely Ben is helping me when I produce my podcast too, so... That's amazing. So you can go subscribe to my newsletter as well, or you can go on Twitter, which is at dmer 68 and follow me there. So whatever platform works for you best, I'm, I'm open and my DMs are always open for any questions. Amazing. Thanks so much, Daniel. Thanks for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode and any ideas you've got for future content. You can email me directly at ben at workweek.com. To keep up to date with the very latest content, make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend who might find it useful? I'll see you next time.